Cells. Cells. Have you ever been in an institution? Cells. Cells. When you're not performing your duties, do they keep you in a little box? Cells. Cells. Interlinked. Interlinked. What's it like to hold the hand of someone you love? Interlinked. Interlinked. Within cells interlinked. Within cells interlinked. Dreadfully. Dreadfully. What's it like to be filled with dread? Dreadfully. Dreadfully. Do you like being separated from other people? Distinct. Distinct. Dreadfully distinct. Dreadfully distinct. Dark. Dark. Within cells interlinked. Within cells interlinked. Within one stem. Within one stem. And dreadfully distinct. And dreadfully distinct. Against the dark. Against the dark. A tall white fountain plate. A tall white fountain plate. You're not even close to baseline. It's the Movie Day Podcast with Rick and Dave. I'm Dave. And I'm Rick. And we are here for the second part of our Blade Runner episode. Last episode, we talked about the classic 1982 Blade Runner, starring Harrison Ford and directed by Ridley Scott. Today, we are going to talk about the follow-up that came out in 2017, not directed by Ridley Scott, uh, yeah. although he was an executive producer. Um, it was directed by Denis Villeneuve. The director of this uh, movie is directing Dune, is that correct? That is correct, yes. That's yes. got to be exciting for you. Denis Villeneuve is... Uh, <laughs> You're a Dune... Fan, I am you? a Dune. Yeah, I love Dune. Um, I love Dune. Uh, the the David Lynch, I believe it was 1984 movie. Actually, Ridley Scott was attached to direct that before he decided to go That's with Blade right. Runner. That's right. Um, was was interesting, but he was constrained by budget. He was constrained by, of course, the special effects of the time, and he was constrained by studio influence. It's, it seems to be the old story, right? And Sting. He was constrained by Sting. <laughs> and Sting as well. And Kyle so. McLaughlin, which I like Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin did a great job. It's just... Did he do a great job in that movie? I don't remember. I, I, I he was I, fine. I mean, think about it. I'm I'm 12 years old, right? I, I read the book, and mm-hmm. and for me, it's no Star Wars, right? It's no Blade Runner, but it's another science fiction movie based. Yeah. Really, it's it's science fantasy kind of, you mm-hmm. know. And Lord of the Rings was, of course, not a movie, so this is the closest thing to like a fantasy novel that came to film. That we were hungry for fantasy and <laughs> we sci-fi were. back then. We took anything, you know. I, I saw Howard the Duck in the theaters. Wow. You wow. Know? So, hey, yeah, I was there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I enjoyed Legend. Yeah, no, I, I liked Legend. Okay. The, the, uh, the Satan the character. The Ridley Scott. Yeah, was, the, was yeah, the cool. dark, dark guy, Tim yeah, Curry. Yeah. Yeah, pretty intense. But no, I am excited. In fact, I was a little disappointed. Well, I mean, I understood why, why the director was disappointed that his movie um, among other oh, yeah. movies, uh, we're going straight to uh, HBO Max yeah. at the same time they were being released in the cinema. But the original date was, I think, December 8th, I think, is when it was supposed to be released in, in theaters. Yeah. And so I thought, I just assumed it was going to be released in you know, HBO Max. So I finished, the, I, I read it again last year. And I even stayed up like the night before, like on December 7th, so or whatever, read the last 200 pages, and then found out that it was moved back to oh, October. Bummer. Yeah, October. They might change it to theaters only by then. You never know. Yeah, which I'm fine with. In fact, I'll probably go see it in the theater. Right. Frankly, I mean, you would think out. so. Right. Yeah. I mean, I saw Godzilla vs. Kong on HBO Max, and it really did lose a, a little bit. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Watching it at home I'm as sure. opposed to seeing it in the theater. Yes, yes, yes. So, But since I had paid the subscription, I went ahead and watched it yeah. two more times, so... I've had fun with that one. That's what's nice. You can watch it in the theater and come home and watch it right again. Right. Just 
Yeah. Fire up the old Roku. Refresh your memory. So anyway, that's, that covers. He's. I, I, what I mean by that is this movie is so well made and the production, you know, values and everything. I mean, just like everything about yes, it is yes. just so like top notch. You must be excited to see what he's going to do with Dune. Dune is in good hands. And, and I like uh, Timothy Chalamet. I, I, I mean, I think maybe some people don't or they think he's pretentious or whatever. But the few films that I've seen him in, I thought he, he was a very accomplished actor. He was, did you see Little Women? He was in Little Women. Who's which character? Timothy Chalamet, who's, who's playing Paul. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yes. Right. So, no, so, I think he's fine. I've heard he's a little maybe young for this the character. Well, the character playing. of Paul's 15 in the novel. Oh. And Kyle MacLachlan was well, not 15. he's maybe a little old now. <laughs> okay, never so, mind. So he fits the look a little closer to the novel he than, does. than Kyle does. MacLachlan does. Okay. Yeah. Right. Rock and roll. Um, yeah, but he, uh, you know, here we're going to try it again here. Uh, Denis Villeneuve was a, was a huge... Kind of like I, I think he's very pretty close to our age. I didn't look it up, but it was a huge fan of this type of, of cinema when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And when watching, um, or when uh, getting an opportunity to actually adapt a sequel for Blade Runner, was he was very 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 apprehensive. Uh, uh, yeah, but you can tell that his heart was in it. Oh no, his heart was in it. But his problem was he loved it so much as a kid. Yeah, and he's such a fan. He understands what was riding on this sequel. Yeah, and he didn't want to mess it up. Yes, that's what his, what his concern. And Ridley Scott, who was huge, like like he he worships Ridley Scott, right? Yeah. And Ridley Scott couldn't direct this because of Alien Covenant. He was working on that. He uh-huh. couldn't be in two places at once, right? Yeah. And so I guess Ridley would show up on on the set uh-huh. while he while Denis was uh, directing, and he finally had to go over to to, to Ridley and say, um, you know, you're my hero. I can't direct with you behind me. <laughs> Wow! Right over my shoulder. He's having performance issues because, like, you know, just I can't. And 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 Scott laughed and said, "No, because I get it. I totally get it." He goes, "I'll just, I'll just work on some other stuff." Yeah, <laughs> I'll just be over here <laughs> sweeping up in this corner over here. Right. But it is kind of it, it is great when you give it to a fan, a competent fan. Right. You don't want to give it to any fan because, but oh, man. but a competent fan who's proven himself or herself not only in past you know productions yeah. but past productions in the same genre or similar genre yeah i mean when you're when you're watching uh blade runner 2049 you you just know that the the guy making this movie is all in yep just pushed all the chips to the center of the table yep. and said this yep. is what i got love it he brought it i so. love it whereas star wars <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't take us long six minutes yeah <laughs> decides to you know, choose some directors that felt like it. Everything had to be reinvented. So I don't know. I, I don't know. We're yeah. not going to get into that a fiftieth time. But that's more uh, about. I think that's more about the story. Yeah. Uh, JJ, I think brought his love. Yes. Yes. To it, and I felt like I, f- I felt the love in in his uh, in his stories. Right. But um, yeah, the writing. It's writing has always been an issue with Star Wars. It has been. Outside of the uh, original, the first two movies, right. the original, you know, right. New right. Hope, Empire, yep. writing has always been a little an, an, an issue. So yeah. anyway, let's get back to Blade let's get Runner. back to it. So going back to the screenplay again, Hampton Fancher and Michael Green. So that's that's another nice touch because not only do you have Ridley Scott coming back as executive producer, so his hands are all over this, of course, but you also have the original screenwriter back as well. 
He wrote the original. He wrote the original screenplay. Well, there you go. Well, I should say, remember, there were two removed. So you have the novel, right? Yeah. By Philip K. Dick. And then there was an early draft of a screenplay that was floating around that was yeah. eventually purchased. And then Hampton Fancher, I forget, I don't think it was Michael Green, I think it was a different writer, uh, adapted that screenplay for the Blade Runner that we know. Okay. So there is a connection to that past, which is nice, you know? Very nice. It's starring Ryan Gosling as Kay, or Joe. Uh, Dave Bautista as Sapper Morton. I believe he's in Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Yeah. Um, I have not seen Guardians of the Galaxy, but no? I recognized him. No, he's great. He's great in that and a totally different character. He's a really great actor. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. he's, he's obviously not in this very long, but uh, but he was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin Wright as Lieutenant Joshi. She's rock solid. <laughs> she is. Holy she's moly. Did she bring her character? I have, haven't watched House of Cards. Is that her House of Cards character? I would say that her uh, Lieutenant Joshi was a little more sympathetic <laughs> than her more character. More sympathetic. Well, I mean, her character in Blade Runner. I mean, she right. She, she she's kind of conflicted between yeah. the fate of the human race and 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 what this information could That's mean true. to society. But That's she's true. also very sympathetic to Kay. Yeah. And his predicament, and she cares for him, right? She lets him get a head start before yeah. he. Um, right. In House of Cards, whoo! Okay, she. It's all about ambition. All right, it is all right. about getting to the top. Well, she is so good. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. Is she on our? Why isn't she in everything list? Well, yeah. If okay. she's not, we're going to put her yeah, there right she now. Should, yeah, she should be there. <laughs> she's in our. Why isn't she in everything? I mean, list. she's come a, a long way from Buttercup. Let's just say that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> long way, long way. Um, we have uh, Sylvia Hooks as uh, Love. Uh, I'm not familiar with her other work, but she was good. But uh, she was. She, is she the? Uh, she was the uh, prostitute. No, no, character? she was. Uh, she was Neander Wallace's um, uh, main replicant. That kind of. Oh right, yes. Know, her, yeah. <laughs> that was a human. <laughs> she was. A little chilly. Yeah. Fierce. And then uh, Jared Leto, which I can't decide if I like Jared Leto or not. I can't decide if he's brilliant or if he's just, you know. Yeah. He's not. I'm not saying he's phoning it in. It just, I feel like every movie I watch, it's the same character. Really? Is that, is that, I mean, what what did I just see? There there was just a movie where he played a character, um, like a serial killer, and he was tracked down by an old detective. Oh, I don't know. It just came out this year. I can't remember oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I know what you're referring to, but I haven't seen Denzel it. Denzel Washington's in it. Yeah. He's wonderful. Okay. And and, and he was great. Um, and um, um, anyway, just Jared Leto shows up, and I thought, oh, he's going to play this different. He's going to get... No, it was just... Yeah? Kind of the same creepy, kind of spacey look off into space. Well, kind he's of. blind. I'm talking about the the oh, Denzel the Washington killer. picture. Yeah, okay, but in this case, <laughs> it's just that real. I don't know. I don't know. It's unfair. I need to. I need to go back and, and watch him and some other stuff. He's a very eccentric actor. Yes, he is very eccentric is. actor. Yeah. And uh, that's the thing about the the billionaire business tycoon robot business owners in these movies are both very eccentric. Yes, and. Uh, how do those guys end up making trillions of dollars? I don't know. Well, like, 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 what's his face, Mr. Tesla? Um, yeah. What's his name? Elon Musk. Yeah. Very eccentric. All right. Person. So I guess you just have to really be thinking in a completely different direction, and somehow get people to believe in you. Okay. And invest money. It just seems to me like they spend so much time being eccentric. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's just, you would you would need to. I I think you would need to spend more time. 
making money than being eccentric, and they spend so much time being eccentric, you wonder how they made all their money. Did like you watch? The, go ahead. Well, is the, the room that he has at the platform yes, yes, and yes, the yes. water all mm-hmm. around it? That's that takes a lot of time to dream up. You got to get your contractors and well, not all to in mention order. the fact that wood is so valuable in this day. Remember the, yeah. the horse slash unicorn? Yeah. Um, and he says you're a rich man because of this little tiny piece of wood. Yes. And this room is filled with there it is wood. It's created with wood that and shows all the water. you how and water. Yeah, how yeah. wealthy this guy is. Do you ever watch Silicon Valley? No. Uh, okay, so mm. yeah, there's another eccentric. Is that on HBO? It's on HBO. Okay, I'll, you should check, I'll it, check out. it out. It's like a half hour. Uh, uh, sitcom with no yeah. with no laugh track, but it, Bill Gates said it's the closest uh, truth to what Silicon Valley really, really is, is, even though it's a satire. Yeah, so check it out. Okay, but uh, Jared Leto actually spent an enormous amount of time studying eccentric uh, Silicon Valley types for, for this, this role. Character for this character, he's got two scenes. <laughs> I know. All right. <laughs> Hey, you know he 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 put he put everything into he it. Did. So I'm he not did. criticizing him as an actor. No, I his just, process I'm sure is meticulous. But I I, what, what, I haven't seen Dallas Buyers Club. I heard he was excellent in that. Uh, I suppose one of these days I'm going to come across a movie and he's just going to be brilliant. What do you think of him as Joker? Say I was wrong. We talked about uh, yeah. Justice League. Yeah, um, but you know Suicide Squad, right? He played Joker in Suicide yeah. Squad. Yeah, and I didn't dig uh, that performance as much. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> okay. but I liked him in the tail end of uh, Justice League. I guess. It was kind of cool. But he didn't have much to do. No, he just right. kind of spoke in a creepy voice. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Who else is in this well, movie? We have, um, let's see. Uh, Who's Joy? Ana de Armas. Uh, I believe she is, is she South American, maybe Cuban. Um, plays Joy. Yeah. 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 She's good. We should see more of Joy. Uh, or, or the actress. <laughs> Anna de Armas. She actually was really good. All the, the yes. all of the performances are yes. fantastic. Definitely. Yeah. Mackenzie Davis as uh, Mariette. Uh, she's great. Kind of looks like Pris. You know? Oh, right. Yes. Uh, dress is very similar. Has the same type of look. That was yes. kind of a cool connection. Mm-hmm. In fact, I just watched a movie not too long ago. Oh, it's the one that um, Steve Carell's in about the uh, politician that goes to a small town. John Stewart produced it anyway she's in the movie it took me half the movie to figure out oh that's mariette from blade runner oh 2049 okay so she was really good uh, Car- uh carla uh, jury i believe is pronounced as uh, dr anna uh, staline who plays the the woman in the bubble yes yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, wood harris as nandez that's the um uh gentleman who runs the orphanage the quote orphanage slash sweatshop yeah um, who, by the way, Morgan from Walking yeah, Dead. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Who had? Did you notice his coat? Uh-uh. It was a very like um, you know 18th century like British overcoat hmm. that you would see in like a Charles Dickens production. And I thought, oh my gosh, Oliver was about a bunch of um, orphans. Okay. Who was kind of led into crime by Fagin, Fagin character. Anyway, maybe yeah. I'm reading too much into sure. it. Sure. No, not at all. And returning. Returning to the franchise, we have Edward James Olmos as Gaff, uh, Harrison Ford as Rick Deckard, and Sean Young, sort of, as Rachel. Are you going to explain that process, the uh, return of Rachel? Well, if you watch the movie, and again, if you haven't, why are you listening right now? Um, Rachel does appear. Um, It is a different replicant based on the uh, Rachel that we know from the original. Yeah. and a, a stand-in actress played the role, mm-hmm. and they de-aged or they added, you know, John Young's 1982 face onto this actress. Yeah. And, you know, they were really kind of bothered. I, I liked Rogue One a lot. 
But mm. I will say that like the Leia and the Tarkin, yeah, it wasn't quite there. Didn't nail it. Just like on Mandalorian, Luke was great until yeah. he spoke. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's the speaking I know. that gives it away. And I thought this was brilliant. And most of it was Valley. shot. Most of it was shot was over her shoulder. So when she was speaking, you didn't see her face. Yeah, which I thought was good. There was one part where she spoke, and again, it was a little bit off. But I, I guess they took a lot of time to try to get this right, so it didn't look like it did in Rogue One. Right. Well, and it and it also makes sense that it would be a smidge off because it's a replicant of a replicant. Yeah, there we go. A copy of a copy is never yeah. as sharp. So I'm yeah. all right with that. That's you good. Know? That's yeah. good. Good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it won two Oscars. Not just nominated. It won two Oscars. Like the original. Um, which two? Did, did did the original was just nominated or did they win? Maybe it did. Uh, the did original, win. I thought we talked about one for did. art design. Well, what do you think it won this time? This time, uh, gosh, I don't know. I, you can... Go ahead and tell me. Well, it was nominated for production design, art design, but did not win. Okay. It was nominated for sound editing, did not win. Did not win. It was nominated for sound mixing, did not win. Did not win. It won for visual effects. Okay. And cinematography. Well, that's that. all that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, this time, it was made for not $30 million, like its predecessor. It was made for $185 million. A measly $185 million. But it made $260 million. Did it? It did pretty it did well. Really well. It did well. I mean, internationally, maybe not. Okay. Domestically, it's interesting that this kind of movie, um, gosh, today, science fiction, big budget, big actors, studios want billions, you know, right. out of their right. movies. That's true. That's to make true. to make sixty million off of a, a movie like this, right. I I think a studio might consider that a, a failure. Okay. Well. But there's not a lot of uh, really interesting R-rated science fiction no. being made right now, right? So that's why this 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 uh, you know kind of exists in its own little space. Well, it's a complicated film to market, right? Because you have fans of Blade Runner, but again, that's kind of a niche audience. Yeah, it right? is. Yeah, and now you do have the star power of Ryan Gosling, which which I'm sure attracted some people. Yeah, um, but again, maybe more, more women. And I'm not to say that women there are a lot of women that like science fiction, but if you want to go with the traditional marketing, um, maybe not so much. You know? Yeah, and his his performance in this movie isn't exactly that kind of Ryan Gosling. Right. You know, correct. Uh, charismatic right. type right. character. Right. It's, right. He's a robot. And you know, I I bet you they wanted to kind of hide the fact that Deckard is in the movie because he doesn't come until the third act, right? But I felt like, well, it, well, we want to get people in the seats. Yeah. <laughs> so let's put him on the movie poster. You know? You almost it, have to. It would have been a nice surprise had yeah. not known that he was going to be in the movie. Yeah, except that you you know it's coming. Yeah. He has to be in it. Yeah. He has yeah. to be in he it. He does. And, he, and when eventually when he is, it's not a minor no. part. I oh, mean, no. It's, it's a solid part. He's all in, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, this the story for the sequel um, is I, I guess you said you have the books um, is is very faithful to most or many of the Blade Runner novels and shorts that uh, that that came out in between the yeah. time so yeah. that's kind of cool that they tried to keep everything canon I'm sure mm-hmm. it was hundred percent but mm-hmm. that's kind of nice um, and and a lot of what happened ends up being pretext for this particular movie. Which was nice, too. They kind of pulled that together. Someday, maybe I'll read the books. 
Uh, although CGI was, of course, used, the visual effects artists used practical effects whenever possible mm -hmm. to match the look of the original film. Yeah. Important. Very important. Yeah. And last thing I have here before we can kind of just go off, um, the opening scene, I kind of I looked this up last time, the opening scene of this movie was the original opening scene for Blade Runner in 1982. Deckard was supposed to walk into a house where there was a pot on the stove, sits down, waits for this guy to come in, they have this exchange. I mean, they said almost, you know, story storyboarded out, shot for shot, same scene, except for this time it's Kay yeah. who comes into the scene. So it's kind of cool that they, they felt like it didn't fit eventually in the original because they wanted to introduce Deckard in a different way, but it was great for the sequel. Cool. And they started with the same shot of the eyeball. Yes, yes. I have that in my eye motif section. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> if I we didn't ever, know there was an eye motif section. If we ever get that far. Yes. So let me ask you, Rick, what yeah. did you think of Blade Runner 2049? Is it the sequel that the original deserved? I liked it better this time than any time I've watched it before. And it why is, is that. Well, um, I think I understood it better. There, the story is actually a little complex, isn't it? I yeah, mean, to follow lot, yeah. everything that's going on. Um, the thing that I realized this time watching it is they're trying to build more mythology. It's trying to they're trying to expand the world a little bit with the whole underground group going on and and all these other things. It's very Matrix like. On. Yeah, you you almost feel like. They were kind of thinking, well, maybe we could set up another sequel. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Um, but it didn't do well enough, I think, to warrant continuing the franchise. Um, I really enjoyed it. I do think it's maybe 20 minutes to 30 minutes too long. I think it could be leaner. Well, interesting enough, it w they almost broke it into two movies. Oh, yeah. They realized that they had two kind of clear... Well, if you think about it, the, the, it's almost three acts where you have the finding of the remains and that whole part of it, right? And then the kind of the pursuit of, of finding the horse slash unicorn to, to yeah. uh, kind of validate his suspicions or not validate his suspicions. And then the, the kind of the end of it when Deckard comes into it and that whole part. Yeah. And they thought about keeping the first two acts as a film and then that that third act making that into its own movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's interesting you would say that because they felt like this may have been a little too long, right? Like you said, but splitting it up may not have been as commercially successful. So. I mean, they definitely kept the deliberate pacing, right. the kind of quiet building tension. Um, still, everybody's, uh, everything's very quiet. Um, especially the the replicants in in the new I forget the the name of the new company. It's not Tyrell anymore. Oh yeah, um, but uh, everything's quiet there, you know. And and everybody, it's just all very subdued and yeah, everything is zen. Um, yeah, very, very zen, very zen. <laughs> but at the same time, very menacing. Zen and menacing at the same time. Well, when Neander Wallace. Talks about how no great, how every great civilization was based on slave labor. Yeah, and he says it in the the, the calmest, almost like a guru, right? Just kind of, he, he, he's talking like he's supposed to make everybody feel, and he's saying these awful things mm -hmm. about his aspirations for the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's creepy, right? Right. Because we know his intentions, and it doesn't match his persona. Right. I do think it's uh, interesting how they introduce the artificial intelligence um, dynamic. So 
it's kind of it's kind of like uh, going on that. Um, oh, what's the AI? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. How it's kind of going on that idea that well, human beings are going to create you know robots that take their place, and then robots will create other robots that take their place, and AI will be the ultimate, I guess, ruler. Right. It'll be some some presence in a computer network that finally rules. I right. don't know if that makes any sense, but it hurts the brain to know. think about it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it does a lot. Uh, although they talk about in this story about the blackout. Yes, 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 yes. And once the power is gone, then all that is gone. Right. So, you know, it's almost like the grid is civilization mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting the blackout because not everything's destroyed, but but so much of of, of like photographs and video memories. Yep. And, you know, everything now is in the cloud, right? Yep. So just imagine everything in the last 10 years, right? Gone. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden people are going back to photographs that have been printed out, paper, mm-hmm. you know, things that... It's interesting stay. that the replicants always seem to have a piano. <laughs> that's true. You know? there are but that's not it's, not... it's not reliant on being plugged in. It's Correct. not reliant on any te- technology. It's not an MP3 or on, on Spotify. Yeah. 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 So uh, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, it took the themes of Blade Runner and expanded upon them. And uh, it definitely felt like it was in the same universe i was really well done yeah i i really enjoyed it again maybe a little long some of that deliberate pacing um i get a little impatient with but i understand yeah i get it i get it yeah um all right. Well, let's just get the eye. Let's just get the eye motif out. Of okay. <laughs> let's go to the eye motif section. As of you your notes. so astutely observed, the it opens up with an eye again, just like the original. The original was Holden's eye before he's giving the test to um, uh, Leon. Uh, in this case, uh, I believe what was well, who was the eye this time? Was it was it? Uh, I thought it was uh, K's. K. It probably was. Yeah. Um, replicants now are identified. By their eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And this new breed of replicant, the serial number is under the under the eye. Um, Wallace, of course, is blind mm-hmm. and now relies on drones mm-hmm. to see. Um, and these are just a few, so I'm sure I missed a bunch. You feel free to join in. Uh, Deckard rejects the new Rachel because her eyes are the wrong color. Ah. And finally, uh, <laughs> Fresa, she's the leader of the underground resistance. Mm-hmm. She's missing an she's eye. She's missing an eye. Perhaps from a foiled attempt at you know, retiring her. Yeah. I know. So it's just the, everything revolves around. I didn't spend a whole lot of time trying to connect all the dots, but it just seems like I, again, is a motif. Is it just the uh, eyes of the windows of the soul? That's it. I think it is. Okay. I think it is. <laughs> think of, okay. So I was thinking about this at least think about animals that we <clears throat> treasure. Okay. So obviously cats and dogs. Yeah. We cherish, um, you know, snakes and maybe not so much. Um, Reptiles have, have blank eyes. That's, that's that, what that's, creeps everybody out about reptiles. That's kind of my point. It seems like the more expressive animals are the ones that become we, we domesticate uh-huh. because the eyes are expressive. I mean, you can look at a dog and a cat and, and almost see a personality in mm-hmm. there. Different People are very are creeped out by birds. Yeah, you know, because birds are kind of like they kind of look at you and they're like, "I'm going to peck you to death." <laughs> right. Second now. Right, but you're right. Reptile eyes and, and bird eyes. I mean, uh, sharks especially. Right, just a black. Well, that's black like eye. going back to Jaws. Right. And so I think that's what it comes down to. The, 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 these replicants, we have, they have perfected these eyes to the point where they are. Well, that's like. what we were talking about with uh, special effects. That's always in the eyes. Right. 
Um, some of it's in the speech in the mouth area, but most of it's in the eyes. It's what right. they call the uncanny valley, that the thing that it's be- become very difficult to replicate, um, right. that human expressiveness in the eyes. So, Well, and they talk about other senses. We have obviously the five main <clears throat> senses, right? But they talk about how we perceive things and we're not aware that we perceive them. So I, 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 there's probably something with the eyes when we can look at somebody. Mm-hmm. Not only can we tell their mood, but you hear people talk about how I, that, that person has compassion eyes. He's a compassionate person. Yeah. Or that person has pain in his eyes. He's been through a lot in his life. So, yeah, it all comes back to the eyes. Yeah. We went over this in the last episode. <laughs> my eyes have betrayed me many times. So. And I said that's why you wear sunglasses. Yeah. Right? Right. That's right. Um, symbolism and names again. I had to write some notes on this one here. We talked about some of like Leon is perhaps Ponce de Leon and so forth. Right. In this case, um, Rachel in the Bible, going some biblical, going back to Sunday school here, uh, is the mother of Joseph who was sold into slavery by his brothers. Ah. So this whole idea of slavery, of building slave labor, mm-hmm. which of course we talked about last episode, how you know, the Africans that were brought here in the slave trade were not seen as human. Mm-hmm. And so it was easy to, if you don't see something as human, it's easy to manipulate and empower and uh, oppress. Replicants the same way. Yeah. Even the replicants seem to have a self-awareness and they can do everything that a human being can do, including, it appears, show empathy now. Um, you still... If they can, can procreate, then you've taken it to the next level, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So like uh, Kay says... I've never killed anything that's been born mm-hmm. or anyone that's been born. Right. I'm not sure how the line goes, but it's something like that. And that seems to be a line that he doesn't want to cross. Right. There's there's, there's a, and of course, that's what he's hoping for. He's hoping that he was, was born. He's hoping that he is this mysterious child, yeah. right? Um, then Rachel in Hebrew is you, right? A sheep, right? Hmm. I thought this was kind of interesting. So... I, I came across this idea that Rachel means you, but then I thought about when Gaff, I don't know, is he in an old folks' home or where, where is he? I felt I like he was he like is. at a rest home. He is. And he makes the origami, which is his thing, but yeah. he makes the origami of a sheep. Is it a sheep? Yeah. I was trying to figure out what it was. It's a sheep. So if sheep in Hebrew is Rachel, was he giving Kay a hint as to where Deckard went? I suppose so. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Yeah. 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 And then finally, Neander sounds a lot like Neanderthal. It does. Right? The early dominant species of, of subspecies of human that eventually loses out to a more evolved form. And so if Wallace is talking about this group of, you know, replicants that he's going to control, if it's true, like you said earlier on, that that becomes the dominant species and we as humans die out, that would make sense that he would be the Neanderthal. Neander is which character? Of uh, the the. Silicon Valley guy, the Jared Leto. Oh, oh, okay. Neander That's Wallace. His, oh, it's his first name. His name Neander. Okay, Neander's his first name. Gotcha. So again, it, he's he's a less evolved form, right? Like a Neanderthal is a yeah. less evolved form. Huh? Just a theory. Interesting. Just a theory. Yeah. And then the horse unicorn thing. Did Did yes. you catch that? That that the horse is really a unicorn. I didn't catch that it was really a unicorn, but uh, I did. I did make the con- the horse unicorn connection. But what do you mean? It's really a unicorn. Well, there's, there's when it's when it's on the table in Kay's apartment. There's a shadow from from the light that's being cast that looks like uh, like a horn would would be there. Okay. And I didn't see this part. I read this part. But they said if you go back and you watch when he's having the wood, um, you know, evaluated. Yeah. 
you know, in the machine or whatever. By the guy that says, I'm the captain now. When you see the close-up, there's there's a little stub at the top of the horse's head where the horn would have popped off. It broke off. So it makes sense that if Deckard whittled these toys, uh-huh. he would have made a unicorn, which comes he back to his whole... He would have made a unicorn. Comes back to the original and the whole unicorn which thing. Which means that Deckard is a replicant. Correct. And I think that was kind of the assumption. When Ridley Scott came out and basically said he was, I think this movie was made on the assumption that he was a replicant. But it wasn't established for sure. No, it wasn't. I don't No, no, like no. It, it was. was still up in the air. Yeah. I agree. So it was left open. I agree. Yeah. Um, and by the way, did you notice the date that was carved? It, uh, it was uh, 613 or 31? 610. Oh, that's 61021. So I don't know. I think you and I should get together in a yeah. couple of weeks and watch it again. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Have a few drinks, which yeah. is kind of cool. So. Yeah. It's coming up. Well, because the original Blade Runner was in 2019. Is that right? It was set in 2019. Is that right? Yes, correct. So that's why they say in 30 years, you know, 2049. Right, right. That's the only thing the series gets a little bit off is that it, things probably won't be the way they are in 2049. But again, it's long enough in the future. You don't have to worry about it. Oh, and there are things they got right. I mean, in the, yeah, the yeah, oh, yeah, there, definitely. So. Definitely. Kind of cool. So. All right, so let's have a, let's have a little bit of discussion about some of the bigger themes here. Okay, and, uh, people can in, indulge us. Hopefully, I can do that. Um, so, and this kind of feeds off what you said a little bit earlier. Here, the movie introduces a third type of being, right? These these digital companions who are not physically developed as replicants, right? But which to ha- appear to have AI, creative ability, and are developing empathy. Yeah. Right. So I feel like we are closer to this type of energy introduced in our own civilization. You mentioned. And you've said this more than once to me, that you don't you won't buy a digital assistant with a human name. No, right? No, it, I will. I won't give it, it a humanizes human name. it. Yeah, right. Yeah, but, but but aren't these digital assistants now that we speak to in our car and our home that first step to the realization of what we see? Right? Joy is just a hologram extension mm. of Alexa. Right. Mm. So. We're seeing now, now we didn't live through all of it because we were born in the early 70s, but you have you had the civil rights movement, right, for for African-Americans, and you went on and you had the the, the feminist movement and suffrage, obviously, before that. Uh, you had uh, the ADA and, and, and physically handicapped or physically disabled, whatever. I don't know the PC term, so mm-hmm. I'm doing my best here, folks. But you've seen in the last 40 or 50 years all sorts of different civil rights movements for various people that have been marginalized in our society for a very long time. Are we going to see this someday? Are we going to see a day when people, when, when AI is to the point where it has creative abilities, can show empathy, isn't a host body that is, you know, they're already coming up with robots for very yeah. interesting purposes, right? So those are already being developed. Will there be a time, maybe not in our life, where we talk about Android rights? It sounds a little bit crazy, but. that's uh, It's interesting that in Rogue One, mm-hmm. It was Rogue One, right? Because I always get Rogue One and Rogue Squadron mess, messed up. <laughs> it was Rogue One that was the... No, it wasn't. It was Solo. Solo. Okay. Yes, Star yes, Wars yes, story. Yes. It was the first time that it was acknowledged that droids are slaves in this universe. Right, right. I mean, they really are. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's only like one life form that everybody can hate, you know, without feeling bad. And it's the droids. Yep. And they have feelings and they think. They and do. They, yeah, all sorts of things. So it's right there with that. Uh, right? Yeah. Um, now, in our uh, in our little corner of the universe, yeah, probably, I would think. Yeah. At some point, I, I'm sure, 
You know, it's always the question of uh, who owns the technology. It's a product, mm-hmm. you know, like the like the creepy uh, replicant always says, what's her name? Love. Uh, love. You know, she says, I hope you enjoyed our product or, you know, <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, she's a product. Is it just designed to respond to us in ways that make us react and, and you know, help us f- yes. feel human? Well, you see at the end when he walks by the generic love on the billboard. Yeah. That she's just a generic product that anybody can buy. But then yeah. it seems like then it tailors itself, almost like Spotify has an algorithm that knows what I want to listen to. <laughs> yeah. When my playlist runs out and they play three songs in a row and I'm like, wow, these are, gr- oh, because okay, it knows me now. Yeah. And so what Joy does is Joy ends up, right, finding the right algorithm for that person and becomes a unique individual based on the person that it yeah. is coupled with. Well, that's all of that's way above our pay grade, isn't it? Because it is. there could be like a a spark of something spiritual that makes uh human beings different than right. than anything else. We don't you know, I don't know, we don't know. And um if it's all about al- algorithms, then no. Right. There's there's no there are no rights for artificial intelligence or, or whatever. But um at what point does it become self aware mm-hmm. and and then at what point does it become its own consciousness? Yeah. I don't know. And there's that idea of the soul, which is obviously spiritual. It's nothing that, that's been proven. I don't know if it could ever be proven. But the idea that we're not just physical, that's something that separates us from the animals that are also. I mean, there's, right. physically, there's no difference, right? Very little difference between us and other mammals. Um, but we like to believe, or most people like to believe, that there's a spiritual element in us that separates us. We just have more chemical and electrical uh, processes going on in our skulls than than the other. Well, that's the thing. If you want forms. to take a, a purely scientific view based on evidence that we have today, that's all it is. We just have you know. And if it's just chemicals. about electrical and chemical impulses, then the machines have us beat already. So right. we're done right. already. Right. So I don't know. <laughs> so it's just it's just interesting to think down the line. Like there was a cartoon that made the rounds on the meme. Uh, the meme trail not too long ago. It was a Archie cartoon from 1997. Uh-huh. And um, basically, now the, the outfits were ridiculous. They looked like Buck Rogers outfits. But the parents told the daughter that she was going to be late for school. And she said, oh, I still have 15 seconds. And she walks up to her room. Now, remember, this is 1997. So there's an old-style video camera mounted on top of an old-style IBM computer. But she's going to school. Yeah. Very much in the same way that kids are going to school this year. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, Archie predicted the future. Yeah. Um, not that much of a leap to think someday, you know, with the technology we had at the time. But I think that's where we are now. We have the technology. We can see where it's potentially headed. But how? what political implications does it have, right? Some people feel like we're in an age, depending on where you are in the political spectrum, like, oh, we're going a little too far with this or too far with that. Um, other people say, no, we haven't gotten far enough. So I just wonder if someday machines are going to be part of that Well, idea. I mean, I do think it's a little sad that uh, even in our own time, we see people you know so we're in such a self-obsessed world like state of mind we we exist in our own minds so much um that the idea of love whatever is not really a two-way thing it's just like what does this get for me yes you know yes and um that's what machines provide they provide what i want that makes me feel this way correct you know so um Wow, I don't know. And I think maybe that was a little bit the difference now that I think about it with Kay or Joe and uh, and Joy 
is that there were moments where it, it was not, it, I felt maybe even most of the, the movie, it wasn't simply about his own gratification. And I'm, I'll say emotional gratification, we'll just go over with that. Because there were times where I just felt like he was trying to accommodate her, right? Uh, especially at the end there where he risks taking her, which will risk eventually it ends up, you know, she ends up going kaput because mm-hmm. of that, where he takes her entire entity and puts it in the, the mobile yeah. dongle or whatever. Um, but he's not human. You know, that's the interesting right. thing. That's that true. leap, you know. Right, right. So two, two artificial intelligences. Um, that leads me to my next yeah. discussion point. Okay. Mariette repeats the phrase, which was in the original film, then became a Rob Zombie song, and then <laughs> is in this song again, or in this movie again, more human than human. Mm-hmm. And referring to the replicants and their potential. It's pretty clear that Joe acts more human, at least in terms of empathy, than most of the other humans in the film. Yeah. And Lieutenant Joshi, especially in Wallet, but like, even though Joshi, I feel, had some empathy, she's still more concerned about, I don't know, keeping everything the way it needs to be, you know, keeping everything in order. For order. And of course, Wallace shows no empathy whatsoever. So with replicants becoming more emotionally aware than, than, than humans, right? Like, is that a possibility? Is it possible that Kay or Joe is more human now if it's based on those qualities? Yeah, I feel like it's a really, I mean, ultimately it's a very nihilistic portrayal of the human experience because human beings are trash we're garbage you know and and at least the human beings that are part of these stories yeah and and the world that they create and allow to exist is just trash um it's just not a very nice portrayal (laughs) of of what we're capable of we don't know what's happening on the other planets where human beings have gone to you know so maybe we're doing better on those places, but that's the point too. We, so we're allowing earth to be the way it is. Um, I mean, simplistically put, right. We had all sorts of different subspecies of humans apparently until civilization. But what was the difference? Civilization kind of came about with the social contract, right? When people finally agreed to give up a certain portion of their right to do whatever they want. So people can't do that back to them, right? In most Mm -hmm. simplistic terms. So there's this idea of we have to kind of all get along. I just can't do whatever I want to do. Because if I do that, then society's going to fall apart. And so that's kind of where human beings come into history. So if we get to a point where the machines now have more of a quality, where they're willing to sacrifice themselves for others, and they're they're realizing that they want to fit in to this social, you know, con- contract or whatever, more than the humans do. Like you say, the human beings now, it's all about what gratifies them. Then perhaps they are more human. Maybe it is their turn now. Well, if that if it turns out that that's the case, that mathematically speaking, <laughs> right. you are better off showing empathy and preserving uh, a civilizational um, reality. Uh, and when I say mathematically speaking, I mean in terms of what the machines decide must be done in order to preserve things. Right, right. Um, not doing it out of an emotional need, but more you know a utilitarian, pragmatic need. If they, if if mach- we get to the point where machines are showing more empathy than human beings, then I maybe that's the lesson that. Uh, human beings should have been showing more empathy all along, you know. Um, 
I mean, you can argue that's the only reason why we evolved as much as we did. And when I say evolve, I'm talking in terms of like society and technology. Because it's one thing if you're always having to just look out for yourself, hunt for your food, and make sure nobody kills you in your sleep, right? But if you get enough people together, right now we're in walking dead territory, right? If you get enough people together where people take different roles and somebody can have can be the night watch where someone else hunts while someone else prepares the food, now you can get a lot more done. Now you can get a lot further, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how we grow as a society. But like you said, if it's nihilistic, if it's to the point where everyone's just involved in themselves, and if technology can fill all those needs that humans used to fill, and now I don't rely on my neighbor anymore, mm-hmm. it kind of all falls apart. Yeah, it kind of does. I hope I'm not here when that happens. <laughs> I know, man. Yeah. Oh well. It kind of it does it does it does fall apart um, because the it, it it's society culture is a tightrope between our individualistic desires and needs and our collective ability to to provide for each other. You know, so and just to be just to geek out for a second, I'm reading a, a biography on John Adams. Okay, and it is interesting because it's all you know. 1776. It's all about individual liberty, which we hear a lot today in our political climate, right? Liberty, liberty, freedom, freedom, which of course was the foundation of this country. But the other side of that was responsibility to society. Yeah. Was responsibility of taking care of your fellow man and woman and child. Yep. Of giving back, of, of, of enriching yourself for the betterment of your community. And they knew that back then, that you needed both, mm-hmm. right? And it was, you know, the freedom was born out of the fact that you were willing to sacrifice part of yourself for that whole. And I feel like sometimes that's lost on people today. Yeah, well, <laughs> I would agree. I, you know, um, th- there was also a lot more focus on the, the simple things that make life worth living. Yes. You know, we're such an instantaneous moment by moment uh, culture anymore the things that make life worth living are just a not even a phone call away just a few taps on the right on the smartphone away so um yeah like when john adams is in france right and abigail's here and they would write each other yeah you know, like three months yeah. sometimes before they would re- half the letters they wouldn't even receive yeah and now we can talk to anybody facetime them and in a second you know the the average lifespan was so much shorter than it is today so all right. of that had to be learned much sooner Yep. Yeah, it doesn't bode well for for the future of our our kind. Well, let's keep let's but, keep going down uh, the black hole here. Yeah. So, in addition to environmental consequences, which I think are clear in this future reality in the movie, uh, the movie presents this digital. You already mentioned a digital, you know, catastrophe of the blackout. Yeah. Where this uh some I guess it's like an electromagnetic pulse, maybe or a nuclear pulse. Something destroys all the world's data files and physical artifacts that preserve history. Um, I don't know. This doesn't sound as science fiction as some of the other parts of the movie. Right. In terms of either terrorism, right, if somebody gets mm-hmm. a hold of the wrong spot, or, I mean, we would be effed if <laughs> the whole grid went down. Uh, the, if the whole grid went down, or a deliberate rewriting of much of what we digitize, you know, I don't know what what it would take for that to happen, but that's always been my concern about Going back to the first ebooks, right? Was all right. If all of this becomes electronic and we're slowly moving away from paper, uh, which is always the same, always tangible, always there, always will be. You can't change it. Um, what does that mean? You know, the electronic can always be changed. It can be either erased or just boulderized, you mm-hmm. know, or or just adjusted to suit the sensibilities of whatever time you're talking sure. about so it's hard to hack a book 
Yeah, you can't. You can't hack something that's that's physical in front of you. you now books do it, rot. They can't. do rot. They eventually, you know, yeah. wear out. They're not going to live forever, but or won't 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 uh, exist forever. But yeah. as, as long as we continue to republish and um, keep alive those texts, like the you know, like last time I was in D.C. and went to the um, National Archives. The original, or one of the original copies of the Declaration that was signed. It, mm-hmm. It's almost it. It you can barely right see it. Yeah, and the Constitution's not too bad. So I'm not sure if they improved their quill technology uh, several years later. But the, but it really, I I told the students last time I went, I said, really look at this because next time you come, you probably aren't going to see anything but parchment. Wow. Yeah, because things do fade over time. You know. Yep. Um, but we've preserved it, of course. We've made copies, and we know the text, and kids yep. are taught the text in school, so that's what's important. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I kind of wonder. I, let's let's put it in a little more of a, a smaller perspective. We use, as I'm sure your school does, a learning management system, and there's been a lot of remote learning this year. Some schools more than others, depending. But our school is completely um, built on Schoology, which is one of the companies. Mm-hmm. Well, this week for two or three days, Schoology has had a nationwide outage. Oh, that's not good. Disruption of service. <laughs> I don't know if they. It seems like once California's online, things get bad. Yeah, you know, because they, I don't think their servers can handle. And I think they're just constantly trying to get investors to buy more servers to keep up. I mean, obviously their business is doing well, but now, right? We don't have really textbooks. Kids don't have textbooks yeah. this year. Kids aren't bringing paper and pencil. Right. Right. They bring their Chromebook. And for two or three days now, kids are sitting in the room going, mm, teachers are like, mm, uh, what do we do? Awkward silence. And it's funny. They've gone back to, all right, well, you know what? Let's let's just talk a little bit about something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and the teacher is, you know, bringing up a, a discussion question and, and someone says, hey, well, what about this? And you're just kind of returning, you know, silent speedball, that ridiculous game. Did you play that in school when nope. class was over? But you're seeing class, just, you're seeing a lot more interaction. And so I'm walking around the hallways thinking, you know what? Like, yeah, I know like traditional learning, whatever's not happening right now, but there's a lot of other stuff that hasn't been happening right now that I'm happy to see. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like that where we don't realize how much we rely on technology until suddenly it's gone. And it disrupted the entire, quote, educational process this week at our school. So the same thing. I mean, we all kind of know, but I don't think we could truly fathom what would happen if electricity and Internet, Wi-Fi uh, completely went or if all of our data was erased from the cloud. Yeah, everybody always thinks uh, they have they have the pictures in their devices and on the cloud and stuff. And they 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 think, well, someday I'll get that printed out. And yeah, I'll yeah. Archive that. Right. No, no. I mean, it'll. You know, it could very easily disappear very quickly, and that's just one example of, of every, you know, so much that could just disappear. Yeah. Or Google just all of a sudden, you know what? You've been using our service for free now for 15 years. Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> if you want your data back, it's going to cost you this. Yeah. It's funny. A friend of mine went through his phone. He printed out 300 pictures. Yeah. Physical pictures of the last 10 years on his phone, so he would have them. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a store, by the way, in Columbus I was at this last weekend called um, Books Half Off, Half Off Books. Half Price Books? Half Price Books. Have you been to one of those? Yeah. I know it's a chain. Wow. Like, talk about a physical media heaven. Oh, yeah. You know, old DVDs, old CDs. Records. Books, records. Yep. That was awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, still close enough to that time that you can, that's still a viable business model. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, you wonder how long that is, you know, and I don't know. Well, I watched a documentary on Amazon Prime about booksellers. Gosh, mm-hmm. I'm such a nerd. And Fran Leibovitz was actually interviewed for this for whatever reason. And she said there's hope. She said when she's on the subway, 
she sees people reading ebooks, and those people are people our age. They're in their 30s and 40s mm-hmm. and 50s. She said the people that are actually reading physical books are kids in their 20s. Yeah. I don't know. Is it like the vinyl thing? Is it just kind of the, the thing to do? Or is there something about a tangible book? Is there something about physical media that this Generation Z is kind of figuring out, saying this is the no, better way to I go? No, I think there is, especially in, in uh, books. I think there's something specific and unique about books yeah. that is different than music and, and things. But, um, yeah, if the blackout did happen... Let's just hope. Let's hope all of this is for naught, folks. Yeah, <laughs> becoming, we're ending the season on a very dark. Right, we note. are. Yeah. Uh, maybe I get a little bit um, lighter with this next question. We'll see. All right. Uh, is it possible the offspring of a replicant is just as biological as a typical human, since the body was never synthetically created in a lab? So think about that, right? Replicants created in a lab, another replicants created in a lab. They reproduce, like in this movie. Yeah. Is the offspring, which was now naturally born, albeit from two replicant parents, but naturally born, no longer considered replicant? Like, is that a new type of? Uh, how many How many steps away from the creator until the creation is right? Its own, yeah, unique thing, right? I don't know. I don't know. I just. It's like what if you? So if um, let's just try to think of it in terms of today's technology, how that could possibly happen. If a computer became somehow self-aware and didn't have all of the data it needed to um, 3D print okay. <laughs> a robot. Yeah. So it had to hook up with another computer. Um, let's say one is uh, Windows and one is Mac. <laughs> and they have to cooperate with each other enough to be able to share enough data to... Uh, develop a complete thing. Now, why they would do that, I don't know. That would have to. There would be, have to be an imperative to create to begin with, right, right? Right. But anyway, they do it, and they create the parts necessary to to um, to create a, a robot out of out of a three D printer mm-hmm. somewhere in a lab somewhere. It's like war games, you know? What right, I mean? right, right, right. Is that robot? It's own living thing. I don't think so. Not yet. But here's the difference, though. Okay, you're talking 3D printing. You're talking using. I think th- that robot has to get busy with another robot created by another two other computers. But that's what. But, but doesn't doesn't. Well, okay. Let's start here. So we're t- you're talking synthetic materials. But in this world of Blade Runner, uh huh, it's not plastic. These replicants are made out of the same materials, right? Their 3D printouts are so advanced, their skin is made out of the same mass as our skin. It's human skin? Their bone, I, I always assumed that. Our, I don't the, know. Whatever molecules make up a bone in our body, I always assumed was the same type molecule. That, In other words, yeah, physically but they're speaking. they're so much stronger and so much sturdier. You know what I mean? They, they can go so yeah. through so much more. That's true. And we can. Yeah. I, I've always, I guess I thought it was something different. Some well, different the reason stuff. why I thought that, because I read somewhere, maybe it was from the novel, that the only way you could tell a replicant was from the serial number under a microscope. Yeah. yeah. So you could literally, you know, tear somebody apart on the autopsy table. Yeah. You're not going to get to like a Terminator level where it's just like, you know, the endoskeleton. Titanium or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's all going to look and feel and be human. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And obviously, Deckard and Rachel were able to reproduce. So whatever whatever materials they have, worked. Yeah. it worked. I just don't, I, I don't know if, uh, I always thought that the reason it looked so human is because they wanted it to. They wanted to recreate the human 
matter as much as okay. possible, but maybe it's an organic process that yeah. they grow. That's these what I'm things. wondering because are the organic and the artificial starting to come together? That's what's yeah. interesting. So that's what's so. I feel like we're so far away from right. something like that. We are that. definitely far away. Yeah. Because, you know, the adult adults, I guess, that are being created. Adult, yeah. <laughs> Occasionally I come across this article and I'm like, okay. It's the, and they're just, they're just, uh, they're just like robot endoskeletons covered with latex. Yes, that's all they are. And the, <laughs> so we are far away from joy. They're just glorified Furbies, you right, know what I mean? Right, right. So. <laughs> I like to Glorified hear the, Furbies. They are. I, I'd like to hear the commands for that. Because <laughs> you know, you used to have to feed the Furby. <laughs> they were hung. They got hungry. They went nom nom. <laughs> we're just going to leave that there to the <laughs> listener's imagination. But yes, we are a long way in that respect. We're a lot closer to AI, right? To machine intelligence, like we mentioned two weeks ago. Uh, we we do have AI that can win chess, that can paint, paint. They can make creative decisions. Yeah. Right. Does it paint because it wants to, or does it paint because it's asked? I'm sure it's asked to paint, but it's not. That's the thing. No one's programming the computer to paint anything specific. Yeah. It's telling it to paint. And then the AI is deciding. Now I'm sure what they've done, I'm guessing they've programmed it with all sorts of traditional paintings throughout human history. And it's probably taking that and, Doing something. I mean, if it if it's if it's able to look at something through a camera and then try to replicate that with um, a, you know an instrument of some sort, right? Like a paintbrush. But or to me, that's not creative. That's just copying. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Really good. Really uh, talented artists can take the Mona Lisa and make a reproduction of it that you can't tell right. the difference unless you were an art. You know, so critic. yeah. So why do those the, why do those two robots want to get it on to begin with? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like what? inspires them to want to do that. Well, why then why did Deckard and Rachel, why did they feel that way to one another? I don't know. Because they're programmed to. Okay. Because I think, well, here, I think this, maybe I'm wrong here, but I think that was Tyrell's original plan. I think he wanted, I call me To populate perfect. with slaves. I, I think he introduced Rachel to Deckard. Oh, that, knowing, they, well, they said that. The did movie. they say that? Yeah. Okay, I remember. Knowing that they both... He, he wanted be to be attracted. To yes, they, that they were designed huh. for that purpose. Okay, because think about it: if you could, if if these androids you've created can just reproduce, and you don't have to put the money and time into engineering them, right? Score, <laughs> score, right? Yeah, uh, and I'm going to say this is this this is awful, but we've talked about the connection again to to American slavery. Okay, but there was that idea again. I read a George Washington biography before the John Adams one, and the idea was that the Washington was troubled obviously by slavery and he eventually freed all the slaves but part of the problem he saw on the horizon was that the slave trade even though eventually they stopped the slave trade was that the slaves themselves would would reproduce they had their own families of course Mm -hmm. and then you had a point where it was you know exponentially getting to a place where people didn't need as much help on their plantation and he saw that as a problem he's like okay so these people are not free to you know which was really ironic because our country was built on liberty and here we have people in bondage but then he saw a point where these people would be discarded even if slavery never became illegal people would discard extra slaves because they wouldn't need them and where would these slaves go where are they going to get work you know Mm -hmm. and so it's that idea again of like dare I say going back to Blade Runner with the replicants is it like gremlins to a point where if these replicants (laughs) begin to procreate 
you have a rev- you have a matrix like revolution on your hand, especially when someone like Fraza or whatever yeah, but then decides like, to leave. How many generations until their kids and their kids' kids and their kids' kids' kids are like, I don't even know why I'm here. I have I'm in the, an existential <laughs> crisis. Where's my soma? Yeah. Uh, and I don't even know what they need all this labor, this slave labor for anyway. To, to mine on the off colonies or whatever. Mine what? Create, build buildings and that, whatever. Whatever they're doing on the off colonies, they're building stuff. Yeah. They're building civilization. I don't know. I think maybe talking about these movies as a, a vision of the future is the wrong angle. More talking about them as an analogy for the issues that you yes. were just talking yes. about is maybe more on target. But. Well, there was a quote. I don't know who said it. I wish I did. They said science fiction really is not about our future. Right. It's about our present. Right. And our past. Yeah. yeah. And our past. Right. Right. All right. Well, let's close out with this last one here. Um, if anyone's still listening at this point and hasn't run their car off the side of the road in desperation. Um, so we talk, I think we kind of talked about maybe the possibility of a satisfying Matrix like third chapter. I don't know. I guess it would have to be commercially viable to do that. But it would be interesting. I mean, the Matrix kind of went off the rails a little bit with, you know, the second and third yeah. installment. And I wouldn't want to see this The ruined. fourth is coming out later this year, yeah. But I wouldn't want to see this ruined by a weak installment. So it'd have mm-hmm. to be a really, really good script. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'd like to think that Ridley Scott wouldn't even, you know, approach it if it wasn't a really good script. Eh, you haven't seen the Alien <clears throat> sequels, prequels, have you? <laughs> No, I Covenant. haven't seen all of them. So you're saying he should have stayed on Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> I, I, I thought both of those movies, Alien Covenant and uh, Prometheus, I thought they were fine. But as an alien freak, I, I, I think I wanted better. Yeah, I wanted better than fine. Yeah, they were well made. Were they more in the direction of science fiction or more in the direction of horror? Because Alien, the original, Both. was really a combination. Both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it just strange. Very strange. Okay. Very strange movies. Very strange stories. Okay. So well, someday, maybe anyway, I'll check them out. Yeah. All right. So here's the theory that I was talking about. So, of course, in the movie, there's this idea of this this replicant baby is born. Mm-hmm. Right, Deckard tells them how to mess with the files. They take the DNA of a boy and they kind of cross-reference it to hide this child. Right. So let me ask you this: Here's the theory, and this is not my theory. This is this is an internet theory. So, is it possible that Kay or Joe is actually Anna? You're right, the girl in the bubble, the mm-hmm. one that's creating all the memories, are actually were both born. They were we were twins. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting into like Star Wars stuff here with Luke and Leia, right? Yeah. And they share some sort of link, which why when she's creating the memory and we find out later on that the memory of the horse that he has when she identifies is really her memory and mm-hmm. they have that link, okay? So what if they were both separated, a la Luke and Leia, right? To lessen the chance they would be discovered mm-hmm. by Neander Wallace. Could this be why Kay is so empathetic and easy to lie and disobey orders? That's another thing, he was able to disobey orders. Replicants aren't supposed to be able to disobey orders. You know, could it be, you know, in the end, like here's another point of this. Like if he really is a, a second child that nobody really knows about, the last hint, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, he is dying in the snow. Deckard walks in to see Anna and she is creating the snow. Hmm. Remember that? She's like, yeah, right. So is again, is that last link, is that a last hint saying, hey, these two are connected? I, I suppose so. It's, just, it's kind of a cool way to think about. It. I, they're connected somehow. Either yeah. way, they're right. connected somehow. I just don't see. I don't see how he isn't. 
human born because he shares so many qualities. I mean, obviously Deckard was very human too, but he's so much more empathetic than Deckard. You say that um, replicants aren't supposed to disobey, but they, even in the first Blade Runner, they disobeyed. But that was like the Nexus 6. The Nexus 9s now are not supposed to. Oh, they're not supposed to. The more advanced ones Gotcha. Like Bishop and Aliens. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's not supposed to... He said those uh, those earlier models always were a little twitchy. <laughs> right, you know? right, right. And, so that's uh, the idea. These new ones were real. That's why Neander Wallace thought he had everything figured out because, you know, yeah, those were bugs in the system. These, like Love, you know, she doesn't yeah. push back. You know, she doesn't question. So anyway, I just thought he's so human compared to all the other replicants. What if he really was born? They were both born. They were twins. And that's why I thought, I mean... I, I was thinking, well, did Decker really die at the end? He looked like he was pretty bad off. And the screenwriter said, uh, wasn't it obvious that he was going to die? You know, like in his mind, yes, he definitely dies at the end. He you was mean, surprised there even... You mean Kay? Kay, I'm sorry. Did yeah. I say Deckard? Um, yeah. He said he was surprised there was even speculation that Kay might survive the movie. Yeah. In his mind, he's he's dead. So that's why I thought, boy, a third installment could be when Deckard comes in and meets his daughter. And we find out that, by the way, maybe Anna does not have some immune deficiency. Mm-hmm. Right, that was just an excuse to keep her protected, and so she bursts out of the bubble, and the two of them meet up with Freya, or whatever, and then you have this big revolution. And they start the revolution. Yeah. Okay. It'd be kind of cool. It would. You, I don't know how you, uh, how you have a revolution with such quiet, such a quiet movie. <laughs> it's true. This would have a different character. The uh, I love the soundtrack in this movie though it's so yeah. cool it's so they alien. tried to mimic a lot of Vangelis. Oh yeah, definitely the the more tonal stuff but there's right. a lot of atonal things in this soundtrack that are really cool yeah stuff that doesn't even really sound like music right but that still works as soundtrack yes so very industrial kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah i guess the last the score at the very end when uh, k is on the steps is is basically the exact same score from yeah from blade runner yep. one of the themes so yeah well ah <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> one hour trying to cram a bunch of different stuff in from Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But I think it's safe to say I, I I liked it the first time. I understood it more this time, having just watched Blade Runner. Yeah, right, and having done some some research and some background on some of this stuff. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I watched it, and and I watched it a couple weeks ago. And you mentioned right this week you had asked if I'd watched it, and I said, hey, I'll watch it again. I meant right. that, like. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. Some movies yeah. you watch and you're like, hey, it was fine. I'm not sure I'll revisit it again. This is one I'll gladly watch again. Yeah. It's kind of one of those that for people who just complain about the studio system and blockbusters and all this stuff being blah, blah, blah. This is this is like um, maybe it's the what do they call it? The something that proves the rule. The, the uh, exception to the exception, rule. Exception that proves the rule. The exception um, to the rule. Well, I know there's an exception to the rule. Yeah. But it's the thing that proves that whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it uh, it's interesting that this kind of movie can be made in this blockbuster environment, yeah, yeah. and made this well with this kind of budget. And can't you say the um, same for Dune, though. For you know, Dune's being made in this day and age, with yeah, that kind of budget. So, well, we'll see. We'll see what kind of appeal it has. You mm-hmm. know, um, I just think it's cool. I think that there's there's. I guess to me, it just means there's still true believers in the system. Yes, there's still true believers in the in the Hollywood system that want to make good movies and interesting movies and and are willing to put big big money behind it too. 
So yeah, I mean, this year was off, obviously, with COVID. In fact, somebody described. Um, I read an article today about the Oscars, which, by the way, are Sunday. They were delayed this year because of COVID. Somebody said that this year's Oscar is going to be more like the the best of Sundance, you know? Yeah. Because you're going to. Well, I always liked indie, so to me, that's not really that bad of a thing. But um, it's just devoid of a lot of the the films, those powerhouse right. films that we normally see in an Oscar year. Nomad Land uh, is supposed to really clean up. I so. mean, powerhouse. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you know. I have to go back pretty far to think of a powerhouse movie that was part of the running well know, when i oscars. say power what i guess maybe i can think of a better term when i think powerhouse i think of, of, the, of that movie that is perfect for oscar where it's it's a movie that was accessible enough that a certain population actually saw the movie yeah but it was in quote unquote important enough for it to me not just a you know blockbuster right? yeah um, like Green Book was a perfect example. And of course, it had a lot of issues with it. But Green Book was this issue, that, this movie that you watch. And of course, it's about racism. Um, and then you watch it and you feel better because we're not where we used to be in the 1960s. But at the same time, like it had all sorts of issues. It felt like important. But I don't know. It, it, it won the Oscar. Yeah. And it shouldn't have won the Oscar. But there aren't a lot of those types of movies. Movies that are made by Hollywood that are trying to be. That's what it is. It's, it's Hollywood movies that are trying to be indie. Uh-huh. That's what usually wins the Oscar. This year, I think we actually have a lot of indie indies yeah. that just are what they are. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I never can quite put my finger on the Oscars. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely changed. You know, I mean, Titanic won Best Picture, right? Yes, and that was huge. Yes, Star and Wars I, was nominated for, and Best I don't Picture. think it was an important movie. No, no, no it was just no. huge. Right, right, and I guess well made, but. Yeah. Whatever, right? You know, nobody saw Green Book, and nobody right. thinks about Green Book anymore. Right, right, you know, so right. the movies who have won the Oscar in the last however many years—ten years, fifteen years—yeah, they right. may have been great movies, but yeah, there were the, gladi- the gladiators and the uh, brave hearts. Those types of movies you used to win. Yeah, the big epic, sweeping epic, Lord of the Rings. You know, yeah. Return of the King won. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I feel like it, it, certain things happen in the world and then things become less important or things change. I have a feeling, maybe I'm wrong, but I have a feeling after COVID we're obviously still going to have movies and blockbusters, but I think the whole awards thing, and I know you're not <laughs> a big fan of awards things at all. Yeah, I'm definitely not a fan of like Grammys and, and, and some of this, but I feel like there's even going to be less of an importance. I saw the commercial for the Oscars and, I didn't see and it, yeah. actually we both, uh, my wife and I were watching TV and we saw the commercial for the Oscars and we both kind of looked at each other like, Anybody cares about yeah, any of this no, no. right now? Because they had they had stars, the stars, the Hollywood right, stars. Right, blah, right, blah. Right, right, right. No one no, cares. Nobody cares. No one cares about Brad Pitt. You yeah. don't care about you. No. You know we don't care about any of that. Yep. So and if it tells you anything, and if you go back to past episodes, you know where I've talked about why I like the Oscars traditionally, and it's because of my love of movies, not because of the red carpet stuff. But I'm even to that point where I'm like, I enjoyed watching all the movies. Mm-hmm. that are nominated that part was great and we're in the middle of watching all the short films and short live action and so forth which I in some cases like better than the features but I don't really care about I'm, like, I'm not that excited about the award show yeah it was the journey I don't care who wins I got to see a lot of really good film yeah that's it gave me an excuse to kind of watch a lot of movies and, and, and when I'm trying to do so many other things it's that time of year where my wife and I say you know what you know what the next three months are Film season, yeah. So maybe that, like we can continue that without having to have the Oscars to force us to. Right, right. Well, something that isn't going to continue after this episode <laughs> uh, is the Movie Day Podcast season yeah, three. Right. We, we're ending it a little abruptly, 
Yeah, we didn't announce the ending. We didn't announce it, and we don't have a big capper episode of, you know, well, which sequels would you have watched? <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, what can you say? We are at that point in the year where uh, people are starting to emerge out of their uh, hibernation holes and uh, realizing that the temperatures have climbed above 50 yep. occasionally, even though we had a pretty a pretty healthy snow this week. <laughs> yep. Oh, we did. And, and uh, so... Uh, we could keep going on with sequels. I mean, there's so many, yep. so many good sequel series and things to watch. Felt like we ended with a good one, yep. a, a movie that you would have never thought in a million years would have generated a sequel. Right, 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 right. Because it didn't do that well mm-hmm. in its first run, and it was always considered a cult movie. Mm-hmm. And then to get a sequel like this of such high quality, yeah, um, I think that's a good place to to call it call it quits for this season yeah season one we talked we took a theme and we picked movies around the theme yeah we started with three that was pretty ambitious and then season two we took a year and this year it was sequels so should there be a season four we're gonna have to come up with another gimmick have to come up with another gimmick yes (laughs) something some excuse to talk about these movies but i want to say by the way um welcome spain and australia my gosh, um, the last few weeks um, to a month or so, like all of a sudden, our listenership in Australia, Australia was, was, was getting quite popular. And then this week in Barcelona in particular. So yeah. Barcelonians, uh, glad to have you aboard. Go back, cool. and, go back and listen to some past episodes. <laughs> I mean, we have, yeah, we've, we've talked about a lot, so many different movies, different kinds of movies and things. And uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it sure is. So, yeah, feel free if you want to find us on the social medias and uh, give us any suggestions for possible season four. We'd love to hear it. But uh, until that time, we are going to sign off for the summer. Yeah, have a good summer, uh, whatever hemisphere you're in. And or winter, you, yeah, if you're, or winter, <laughs> if you're over or, in Australia. Uh, just enjoy the uh, uh, whatever whatever movies you're able to watch in whatever, whatever formats. And maybe by the next time we talk, we'll be back in the theaters. Who oh, knows? that would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. All right. Well, this has been the post-COVID season, because <laughs> last year officially was a the year, COVID a season, A year right? ago, yeah. Um, but hopefully we're truly in a post-COVID season next year of the Movie Day podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Rick. See ya. See ya.